This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the most valuable sports podcast and Mike's and Takes crossover, The Shot Callers. Brandon Worth here with Joe Nagy once again. I don't know what's going on, Joe. I, I guess Travis is just a busy man. I know. All of a sudden, he's got so much to do. I thought his internship was over, but nonetheless, he's going to be joining us soon. Not for this episode, sadly, but he will be down the stretch. And hopefully, we can get him on the show, too, when we go back to school in a couple weeks, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to having those guys back. And for sure, with school starting soon, we can't wait to give you guys the podcast content back again. Of course, we'll get into Ferris Sports more along once we get closer, get to all the sports previews before this upcoming fall season. Super exciting stuff. And also announcement, just to keep it on your radar, our fantasy football collaboration we did last year. Uh, yeah, it's coming back, baby. And it will be here very back. soon. Um, I believe the targeted date is somewhere around the 22nd. So in a couple of weeks, stay tuned for that. We're going to have our full draft and more on the show. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the MVSP. So you don't miss out on any of that announcement information. So you don't miss the draft. And I know, I know Mr. Joe is ready for, he's ready for a rumble round too. Cause I know last year wasn't as pretty as he wanted it to be. I'm ready for a redemption. Comeback season for sure. I think a lot of us have some comeback seasons. My team, my team underperformed down the stretch, and I'm gonna pull vengeance for that. But got a great show coming up. We're talking about the Olympics. We didn't get really a lot of it since we've both been gone for the last two weeks, but we'll have that plus NBA trade deadline and drafting as well as MLB and of course our debate at the end of the show that you won't want to miss. But first, don't forget to check out Bulldog Radio on whatever social media platform you're on. They're a great organization, and they help us make podcasts. If you want to make podcasts at Fair State University, what better place than Bulldog Radio? So make sure you check that out. For sure. Moving into the first topic here with the Olympics taking place, I should say the 2020 Olympics in quotation marks. It's 2021, but we all know the story about that uh, right now. Our lovely country of the United States currently leading the total medal count, not gold medals as of yet. We're only trailing China by two in that category, but we do also have women's basketball later today, so that could at least cut the deficit in half. But overall, Joe, what is your overall thoughts on the Olympics so far? It's been fun to watch. Usually I'll toss it on. I mean, every every other channel is basically covering stuff. I like One thing I do like about the Olympics is like, it brings a lot of sport. It's basically like watching ESPN 8, the Ocho, on August 8, you know? How they have mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of random sports that you can watch. And that's what I really like about, like, this Olympic. Is because, like, now they have, like, surfing, skateboarding. They have, like, I watched badminton the other day. That was pretty fun to watch. I was watching uh, where rhythmic gymnastics. Call me crazy, but that's actually pretty cool to watch. I don't even care if make fun of me for that. But, uh, a lot of the coolest sports are on, and like that's what I like about watching the Olympics, especially like when it's held by Japan and stuff, when they have different Olympics too, or sorry, different sports that usually aren't in, but I've been having a blast watching them so far. Yeah, I think that's one of the most fun parts about the Olympics, is seeing all these new sports that we don't, don't really get to watch over here in the States, just because they're not as popular, and they really aren't put on television as much as a lot of the other countries, but it's been a, it's been a really great Olympics, and I mean, obviously with all the 
the situations going on, obviously pushing through COVID. And it's been pretty well, not very many like major outbreaks so far. I know there's been a couple athletes that were sent home due to positive cases. But at the end of the day, the Olympics went on and we really didn't have a a severe outbreak. And that's super cool because obviously athletes health is super important. And I mean, just kind of mentioning that that whole um, situation with um, Simone Biles, I think, was something that really kind of people were overlooking as far as how the Olympic Games are taking place, because it's a super different environment. Like I, I was looking over this morning, watching some of the contests and then watching some others like um, basketball, for example, watching that United States gold medal win last night, by the way, over France. Super fun there. Um, we'll go over that in just a second. But and then looking back to like the 2012 and 2016 games, it's a completely different environment with all the fans there, with all these unique players that might have sat out this year due to maybe COVID concerns or just how this whole year has went. And with the Olympics being pushed back, a lot of them saying, you know, I really just want the break and uh, we've needed a break for a while and I'm going to take it. Like we've had those situations where there's athletes that have come out and say, you know what, this is really not the same as the original Olympics. And it's really, really tough. And especially when you're, you don't have your game as tightened in. Cause I remember it's four year cycles and now with the pushback it becomes five and that schedule gets changed, especially for a lot of these veterans that have that four year timeline they're shooting for. And then to add another year on top of it throws a curveball. So it's been really, it's been a really interesting games. And I mean, kudos to everyone that's made it possible because I mean, it's, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be summer without the Olympics every four years. And that's something we look, everybody looks forward to all those cycles. So super fun to see though, that we have it back. Yeah. And then like you mentioned the five years, now they're pushing up for our 2024. Now is only going to be three years. So like you said, those veterans that have that time to really prepare, it's going to be cut short by a year, which is going to kind of throw some people off. It, we might be able to see some competitors that maybe would have taken the time, wouldn't have gone if it was four years, but now it's three. We might see Simone Biles again if she's able to kind of keep up her reign as the greatest Olympi- or greatest uh, gymnast of all time, really. And, I mean, we'll be able to see other people, too, that uh, maybe we're kind of going to sit out 2024 if there's that four-year gap, but the less one less year, maybe we can see him come back. So that's what I'm super excited for uh, when this Olympic ends and the next one comes around in the next three years. For sure. And I think one thing that we've seen is like some teams, like they've been disrupted by this cycle just based off of um, not having the same rosters as they normally would. And with this current situation and some teams have just been ready to to chomp at the bit for some of these teams slipping up. And I mean, USA basketball is one that we talked about on the men's side, especially that really hasn't been as sharp. Obviously, they still came out on top with the gold medal win last night over France, 87, 82. But I mean, it was not it was not a golden brick road for this team. They really hit some potholes on the way there, some good old Michigan potholes. So, I mean, just the fact they bounced back was something crazy. I mean, big games last night for sure, or big game last night for sure. I mean, KD was electric. Draymond Green didn't have as much in the stat column as um, a lot of the other players, but he really was a difference maker. He was facilitating in a spectacular way, and that's really why he's been a big piece of that Warriors puzzle even though he doesn't really show up that much in the stat column with points. so, But this team was great. And I think the one thing that um, a, lot of the, a lot of the flack obviously was coming their way of this whole road and people were like, this team's not very good. And Katie's sticking up after the gold medal saying, you know what? Like, what? why are we getting dished on? We won the gold medal. 
So what? And I know somebody made a point uh, on Twitter, actually, I believe it was uh, Mr. Scooter Magruder, if anybody knows who that is, who pointed out that the U.S. team, like, they still won the gold medal, and they have no, like, top-tier Olympic players that have been on these previous teams. Like, I mean, KD would obviously kind of be the exception, but, I mean, there's no LeBron, for one. No, we don't have our best shooter on the team in Steph Curry. We don't have some of the other big men, and we still came out on top. So the fact is, like, we still dominated this tournament and got the gold medal, and we still didn't have all these top players that normally we've had in years past. So, still. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things, too, about how when everyone was a little bit skeptical, especially, like, in the World Cup, uh, I think it was a year or two ago when we lost and we weren't playing very well and we didn't really have a whole lot of superstars on that team. And then when the Olympics came around, we thought, all right, maybe those guys who sat out the World Championships are going to join up. But, you know, then we got Clay, who's kind of nursing an injury, Steph, who's nursing an injury, LeBron, who's opted out. Like you said, a lot of those superstars who are usually the deciding factors of how we're in the powerhouse, and usually we don't have any really challenge until the gold medal game, then it kind of gets on the shoulders of uh, KD. And then you have Kevin Love who opts to sit out, and he's one of the uh, main uh, veterans that's in the, on the Olympic team. And then to count the fact that you don't have Coach K coaching, it's Greg Popovich. You have a whole lot of things kind of going against you. And I think especially you have to also look at the team chemistry. You have two guys from the Bucks who – are playing with Devin Booker, who that chemistry might not go very well. You have they were playing against each other and wanting to beat each other for you know a, a week or two trying to win the NBA championship, and then you also have rivalries that from the NBA that kind of collide. So it takes a minute to build up that chemistry, and especially for players who are more kind of solo, who are the scorers of their team, to then kind of blend in and be the the team players and kind of spread the love a little bit it's tough so once you get into that uh groove which i think we did after france i think we had kind of a wake-up call there i think definitely we were able to kind of you know settle in get into a spot where guys started understanding their roles and i mean kd really kind of stepped up as a team captain with that uh speech or with that statement that he had and you know a lot of people i think don't give him enough credit for the obstacles that they had to overcome, especially coming into Tokyo this year, and then to get the gold after losing to the France team uh, during one of the opening rounds. So all, 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 uh, all props to them, really. Yeah, and I think that France, that France team was definitely one that we were looking to watch that would be top-tier contenders with the United States for sure, and I think uh, you, could, uh, you could throw Australia definitely in that mix who won the bronze medal as well with Joe Ingles and Patty Mills and that crew. But they gave us fits. And I mean, I think it just showed that we still are the best country in the world in basketball. And I don't think that's truly disputed right now. I mean, obviously, you could make other cases for other teams, but we still won the gold medal throughout all this. But it just shows that we still had the resilience to get up there. And I think that's super important because I think it was really kind of a a unique situation to see us grow through those bumps. And because normally it's just a smooth sailing road. I mean, we blow out everybody win the gold medal by 20 or gold medal game by 20 points and no one's debating yeah. anything but now that we do lose it's like okay we're human a little bit but we still are showing that we're the best in the world and that's really a cool thing mm-hmm. but uh, hopefully our women's side also completes the sweep they will be playing i believe tonight in the gold medal match against japan with Brittany griner and the crew looking to sweep the podium at gold with basketball but um, kind of segueing in here with this whole Olympic Games, we've had a lot of surprises so far as far as some people that were supposed to be on the podium that didn't finish there. 
or some that shock the world and pull the Cinderella story. What's what's a sport or an athlete that you saw, Joe, that you were pretty shocked about? I don't know. I don't know. Um, especially, I think you got Simone Biles on the balance beam when she got, I think it was a silver medal instead of the gold. That was a surprise, especially since the balance beam, I think, is one of her strong points from uh, 2016 in Rio when she just blew everybody out of the water in that competition. But, excuse me, you can kind of toss that up to the mental health, uh, the mental health that she's been struggling with kind of the mental game, and then also just adding the uh, the criticism that everybody's been giving her throughout this uh, this games. Um, everyone was expecting her to win gold. She got silver. It's the second best, and a silver Olympic medal is probably better than ninety eight percent of the population of America will ever do. Probably even ninety nine percent of the population of America will ever do. So it was a little bit surprising to see her not get the top of the podium, but nonetheless. Silver medal in the balance beam, being one of the best in the world. Uh, more power to her, you know. Yeah, I think that I think that's definitely a fair one. One of the ones that I saw, um, obviously, um, me being over in in the track and field realm, one I was definitely watching more closely. Uh, Molly Sadell, absolutely crazy story. Her first marathon um, that she even competed in was the Olympic trials less than a year ago. And the fact is, getting from there, getting on the team after her first marathon, and then competing against the best in the world, the Kenyans, the Ethiopians, that just rule the long-distance world, and that gets onto the podium, just a fantastic story. And that was one that really surprised me. Obviously, rooting for the best for all of them, or for all the U.S. athletes in that race, but just seeing Molly Sattel get on the podium was absolutely fantastic, and her reaction on... Um, on her interview, seeing her hometown um, family just crying in joyful disbelief on live TV. Super cool moment, and that was something I was not expecting to happen, but it was certainly something cool to see. Yeah, for sure. The track and field also has been pretty exciting to watch so far. I watched uh, the 100-meter uh, uh, hurdles the other day, which was pretty uh, incredible. <laughs> I don't know how they can do that, run at top speed and then jump over hurdles. I don't... I can't even, I remember trying to do that in high school once just for fun, trying to jump over the men's hurdles, and I clipped my ankle and fell over. So I don't know how they <laughs> can do that at that high speed and uh, and then be able to kind of uh, stay focused and not really look at other people in their lanes and be able to win that race. But I don't know, track and field is one of the most underrated sports, I think, uh, when it comes up to the Olympics. But it is one of the highlights, uh, definitely, for any Olympic watcher. Yeah, I think everybody around the world is going to be checking out track and field because it's such just a world universal sport. Like it's it's the same as it is here, as it is in France, as it is in London, as it is in Sydney, Australia. It's all the same and everything is convertible. And but the fact is just seeing everybody and how many different events there are. I mean, we just saw the four by four last night um, with um, with the women's side absolutely crushing the field with an absolute Back for some relay team and that was really fun to see but uh, one that I was also going to throw out that I thought might have been going or might have been your pick Joe was um the golfing duo I mean that was something yeah, special I, totally I mean forgot about that yeah Xander Shoffley taking the gold medal for your the guy. men and then Nelly Corda my goodness it was fantastic to see good from U.S. golf because we deserve it we've got some great golfers and we just haven't had the success what in did years Corda past. shoot like a 62 I was something like that. He came out That's firing, insane. I think, round, I think it was round two, because I believe it was an Austrian man that was leading after an eight under 
round one, but then he kind of fell flat, and Xander came down with an eight down round and then came back to take the lead, and then he'd end up keeping it the rest of the way. But that man Xander, he's he's on a mission he's right a, now. He's a menace. He's a menace. <laughs> but, he's yes, menace. super fun. Corda, though, too, that was – Corda's performance, too, was absolutely insane. She was locked down the whole time, and she was pin-seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we had there was a charge, I believe, by I believe it was either Japanese or Chinese athlete. The last, the last couple, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but came it came in charge and then slipped up on par five eighteen, and then Corda took it the rest of the way. But good for U.S. golf because that was really fun to see. But um, lasting in our Olympic segue here, um, some interesting news, Joe. I know obviously our men's baseball team fell short last night against Japan. Japan just had our had just had our number this year, and and really that's all we can say about that. But they ended up getting gold, the U.S. baseball on the silver. Um, but we're not going to get a redemption tour in 2024, as apparently it's been reported that baseball and softball have been excluded from the sporting lineup for Paris 2024 Olympic Games. Um, also, I believe it was um, breakdancing. Yes, that is an Olympic sport, ladies and gentlemen. Breakdancing is also not going to return. So, um, but what reason why is unknown. Why do you think that we don't have those sports come in in 2024? Well, I think it's a facilities thing. Like every every uh um country that like built baseball stadiums and stuff for the Olympics, they just go vacant after the next year. Nobody ever I mean, look at Greece. Their baseball and softball just over overgrown. The seats are just getting all faded. Like, if you look at theirs, it's it's just a, really a waste of space. And I think that's the thing, especially going into Japan. Baseball is such a big sport in Japan that they didn't really need to build any stadiums. They just needed to kind of give it a, I mean, put the Olympic logo on some places and then you're all set. But Paris, I don't think there's a baseball stadium there anywhere, probably. And I think when you go into that, kind of talking about, like, Especially since the Olympics, uh, the big conversation is how profitable and like a lot of the stadiums that places build, they just go vacant after a year because they're not really used too much. So I think that's one of the main reasons why baseball is in or isn't and softball isn't in. But breakdancing, I don't know why. You can just toss a cardboard like sheet down on a on a street and you can just have the competition there. So I don't know. Yeah, and I really hope it's not like a. Um... Uh, and fan interest thing because I think there's plenty of people that were super excited to watch baseball and softball in this Olympic Games like I don't see why that'd be an interesting um I did check the uh, I did fact check myself I did make a small mistake breakdancing is actually getting added in 2024 oh, with okay. karate actually going to be cut from 2024's games so baseball softball and karate will not be in the Paris games but either way like Having, I think, I think that the big reason is what you were saying, Joe. I, I agree with that. I think it is a facilities thing because um, France obviously is not a sport that, um, or sorry, not a country that participates in that sport very, um, very much. I mean, obviously, there's probably some fans over there because there's fans yeah. of other sports all over the place. Yeah. Like they play, they play American football in England. I met a guy that used to play yeah. like American football in England, and it was a really interesting, uh, really interesting talk with him. But like the the I think it's just got to be the facilities thing because interest wise, if it's interest wise, I don't think that's I don't think that's a valid argument yeah. because I think there is so many people 
but some of them might also not have the availability to watch them just based on where they are because obviously with the U.S. we are we are very good with getting um, television network um, um, with distribution. We're amazing at it. We can get anything in the world. We can get a jazz game here in Michigan. You can get a Blazers game in Florida. Like we can get those things pretty easily um, with a little bit of money where some of those countries don't have the ability to do that. So it'd be a little bit different for them. But I mean, it's just kind of sad because I know there's a lot of um, a lot of people like um, Monica Abbott was one that um, was really disappointed that that softball was getting cut. And I, I, I don't blame her because a lot of the a lot of these athletes like softball don't necessarily have the primetime view as the Olympics would be like with I'm mean, some of these leagues now that are getting added, which is great. But the, the top tier competition is not there that as much anymore for softball it's just sad to see that it's going to be gone in 2024 yeah but the, on the bright side though that means the world baseball class is coming back and i think the world that baseball is classic is way more electric than uh, the olympics was because you get to kind of move around and also the one thing about the the olympic squad for baseball and softball i mean softball is a little bit different because uh you know it's not as much of a uh mainstream sport as like major league baseball is excuse me but like we didn't really have a lot of amazing players i mean you had todd frazier but he's retired from the major leagues he's he's obviously a great baseball player but when you go into who the best american baseball players are usually you don't really think of a lot of the guys that were on the team you think of you know christian yelich mookie betts a lot of those players who if we didn't make a team with those guys like we did in the world baseball classic a, a year a couple years ago it's an insane stacked lineup. So I don't know. It's more of, it's more of thinking like with the world baseball classic, we actually get to see the best USA baseball players get to play since it's kind of in the off season of uh, the major league baseball uh, or of major league baseball. But nonetheless, uh, I would like to see it in the Olympics because it is a great sport to watch. And I think a lot of people do enjoy watching it. It's just more of a, uh, I don't know if it's a, I want I want to say niche sport at all, but it's more of just kind of, you definitely have to appreciate the game a little bit more. Yeah, I could agree with that, but hopefully it'll make a return for 2028 LA because I don't think they'd have a facilities excuse. Oh, for sure. Point, it'll, so. it'll make Just saying, but um, we'll have to look forward to that. But before we segue into NBA, Joe, do you want to tell us about the MBSP? Yeah, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, at the MBSP. We're making sure we're uploading. Check our stories. We try to uh, kind of get our fans as interested as possible. Uh, we let out polls. What do you guys want to talk about or want us to talk about? Uh, so, guys, check out <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, MVSP, as well as also going on to Bulldog Radio and checking out the other uh, podcasts that are there. You got the Torch Podcast. It's a great network uh, that Bulldog Radio is. But make sure check us out. Instagram, Twitter, at the MVSP. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> that was a great tagline. Anyway, I, I don't know how to segue after that awesome reference right there. Um, anyway, NBA talk time now. Um, the We obviously didn't get to cover the championship. Milwaukee Bucks winning the series 4-2. to Yep, I was wrong. I was going Suns all the too. way. But you know what? Good for the Bucks. 50-year drought finally over thanks to Giannis and that young crew that just built it they built this championship and you have i have nothing but respect for Giannis and what he's went through he was there in the 15 and 67 win season back five years ago and, and it was more than i think it was like six or seven years ago but 
I mean, just being able to go from that, stay through the entirety of everything that went on in that organization, coming up short, told that he should leave, form a super team. He stays and he delivers for the city. And I am nothing but more happy for him. And it's just been time. And the Bucks have not had a championship in that 50 years. And it's been too long for them. And I, it's just, it's just awesome to see this team succeed. And I mean, really overcame the odds because they surely were not the fan favorite going into this finals. Yeah, it was. I, I'll, yeah, I was wrong. I thought the Suns were going to win in at least six, uh, but the Bucks just turned it on. They, they really came in. They came in swinging when they got to, uh, um, when they got back to Milwaukee. Um, and then once I saw that they were back to two two, I thought, okay, maybe Milwaukee, maybe the Bucks are here to here to make a statement here. And like you said with Giannis, I think this is you literally cannot not respect Giannis after this season because I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to go to the Heat after last year. He's going to go join and make sure that they can win the championship next year, or he's going to sign with the Lakers, or he's going to sign with the Clippers, or something like that, where he has those uh, tools where. There are other superstars are there, but instead you got Chris Middleton, you got guys like Drew Holiday who can elevate your game, and he's able to stay there. I mean, what what was that tweet that he sent out? Like 2015, 2016, or I think it was like twenty fourteen. He's like, I'm not gonna stay till we build the champion, or I'm not gonna mm-hmm. leave until we build a championship team in Milwaukee. And you know, once you can call that out, and once you actually do it for the city, it's insane. And to see how humble he was after. Um, <clears throat> After the game in his press conference, where he said, "I don't want to live in the in the uh, in the future, and I don't want to live in the past, or I should have done this, or I, I am going to do this. I'm going to enjoy the moment. I'm going to make sure that I can do the best that I can with the opportunities given to me." And you know, with him saying that, you can just tell how uh, mentally mature, how just great of a leader he is for that team. And you know, you definitely got to watch out for them uh, next year uh, for the championship title. Yeah, and uh, my alarm went off to remind myself, like. The fact is, we've had the memes. We've had everything through this entirety of the postseason for Giannis. We've crying, that, yeah, we've had the we've had the crying Giannis meme from last year. Yeah, and the fact ago. is, like, he was absolutely awful from the free throw line. And the fact that he made seventeen of nineteen free throws, I believe it was, unreal. Like, just the fact that he turned it on that wheel. Because he was shooting, I believe the number, if I remember, was 55.4 or 55.6. One somewhere in that ballpark at the 55 range from the free throw line. Yeah, that's one out of two for the you math majors out there. That's not good on the basketball court. you got to be up towards the 70, 80, 90% mark. And you can see a lot of these guys that can hit from the free throw line. Can, they can That can change games. I mean, you leave 10 points on the table. You look at the box score in a lot of these finals games, the deficit is 10 or very close to 10 points. I mean, it was 13 in game one, 10 in game two, um, game three, game um, uh, game six were a little bit different, but are um, six in game four, uh, seven in game six, and four in game five. 10 free throws right there changes the outcome of the game outside of game three, which was a little different because it was a blowout. But the defense from Milwaukee was also huge, and it was really what I believe took them the rest of the way. They stepped up defensively, shut down that Suns offense, and they really did a great job of that. And Drew Holiday deserves credit, too, because really he was kind of the missing piece for this team. And, I mean, obviously you can be like, oh, P.J. Tucker, too, or, or some of these other guys. But I, 
Chris Middleton was fantastic. Giannis was great. But Drew, and then Drew Holiday was there whenever those two slipped up. Because when those two slipped up in years past, we saw what happened. They exited early. And we always had the question mark, mm-hmm. is Giannis good enough to lead this team? And with that, with him there, he picked up the slack. He was that pivotal piece in that offense that could turn it on in moments time and could really do that. But him and Chris Middleton really showed out. And I mean, the fact they just won a gold medal after winning a Larry O'Brien trophy pretty pretty solid last couple months i would say (laughs) pretty impressive but yeah that was that's a crazy thing to see especially for i mean how much success those two guys have had on the bucks and the usa roster but brandon one thing i did want to talk about though when we came up with the nba uh, free agency and kind of the nba talk was leangelo ball might be able to make the nba after all leangelo ball might make (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't believe we're talking about this again. I mean, we need Barrett on the show. I might call him on the phone right now. Be like, hey, dude, can you please just absolutely go bananas on Leangelo Ball being the next greatest basketball player? But we'll have to save that for later. But yeah, him signing with the Hornets in a summer league deal. And also a shout out to our Bulldog alum, Mr. Hanky's. Um, I would almost call him Hanky Spanky, but um, Mr. Zach Hankins playing with Phoenix actually in the summer league. So shout out to him. So make sure you watch oh, that. If you're a Ferris State basketball fan, check him out. Um, he's now with Phoenix for the summer. So, but um, a lot of the teams now looking to elevate with their new rosters, especially with summer league going around, and some of them looking a little drastically different. Some not looking different at all. But a lot of these big deals have already been made. Um, of Chris Paul staying with Phoenix, like we just mentioned, could I think that's perfect for Phoenix. I think keeping him around is pivotal. Kyle Lowry is leaving Toronto to take his talents to South Beach on a three-year, $90 million deal to join Jimmy Buckets and Bam Adebayo in Miami. Is that is that the missing piece, Joe, for this Miami Heat team? I think it could be. You got... I mean, when they went to the finals, they had a little bit of a rookie squad, a couple of young guys. But now you add Kyle Lowry, who's a veteran, who's been to the postseason many times, who was a pivotal piece in uh, the Raptors organization for years, and then able to be the NBA champion with Kawhi. I think add him with Jimmy Buckets, he's kind of going to be that DeRozan-type player that he's going to be able to form the relationship with. Not to mention you have Tyler Hero, who, if he can get back to the bubble performance, where he was lights out from three, and he had confidence. And I think they'll be able to be solid. And then Bam Adebayo in the paint, too. Young talent. I think give him a year or two to kind of progress a little bit more. If they can keep him on the roster, they're going to be a great uh, in great shape. But Kyle Lowry, I think, is a, is a great fit for them, especially for the uh, the talents, the 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 veteran uh, mindset, and just kind of the leadership that he'll bring. It's going to be a good set for the Heat. Yeah, and don't forget Duncan Robinson, Mr. Mr. Michigan Man. He also signed a I believe it was nine. I think it was also ninety million, but I believe he had a five-year deal. But hey, big man gets paid, and it's super fun to see him succeeding. Bad. But I mean that that core squad. I mean, if they somehow can bring like if they want to bring Drogic back, I don't think it's the primary play at this point because I think you have Lowry, and I think you go younger in the draft, which <coughs> excuse me, I think they certainly no could do, but. I mean, it's very it's very possible that this team can make a run. But um, Kawhi Leonard staying with the Clippers, I think, kind of expected, but a little suspicious when he put out the "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave" like kind of suspicion of. I think it was strictly contract related. I didn't think he was going anywhere. But 
Um, Mike Conley staying with the Jazz. John Collins staying with the Hawks. Uh, Norman Powell staying with the Blazers. But one uh, team that has exploded in free agency right now happens to be in our favorite team's division. The Chicago Bulls have decided to go all Crazy. in with that squad. They have signed DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> My goodness. Um, they, they've just went bananas. Uh, Alex Caruso as well. I'm looking up all of them just to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Like, they are going all in, and their only piece that they're missing right now is signing Laurie Markkinen. Is he's still, I believe, as restricted free agent, but I think that might still be contract related. But think about how this team is changing right now. You can have guys on that team that are super flexible. You pair Zach Levine with Lonzo Ball in the backcourt. You keep marking in, and you bring in all these other electric guys like Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan, who can still play, by the way. Just the fact he was in San Antonio and they weren't making playoff runs does not mean the man's lost his touch. He's been fantastic still. So this team, I think, is going to be very different. I don't think it's, like, super scary, but it is definitely an upgrade to what that team had last a year. Team, it yeah, wasn't pretty. A team to watch for, yeah. Because Lonzo at the helm, he's his court vision and is able to be a floor general is pretty much top tier. It's on par with a lot of other guys in the league like LeBron. I mean, I wouldn't say he's as good as LeBron at being a kind of a facilitator of the of the pace of play, but nonetheless, he's able to find the gaps. He's able to find the players that need to get the ball in their hands, and he's able to do that. And then add DeMar DeRozan, like I said, the veteran mindset, the leadership who's uh, been able to you know, lead two teams uh, pretty far for different places. And then you also toss in Alex Caruso, who has the, has the six-man mindset, who had to fight to get to where he is right now and to put him in the game you definitely know he's going to be able to be electric and then zach levine the home t- the guy who's been there for a while who the fans love is going to be a really great set and then add laurie markanen in there at the five spot if they're able to re-sign him they're going to be sitting pretty especially for east it's a little bit more heavy uh it's a little bit more heavy with the good teams now especially when that's kind of with the super team buck's going to be back heat with kyle lowry but nonetheless, I'm definitely looking forward to them being able to do something in the postseason and kind of get out of this drought that they've been in ever since the 90s. Yeah, and I think one team we have to mention right now is the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, just the fact that we had an absolute woes bomb while we were gone. Yeah, I mean, holy mackerel. Could you please just wait two weeks? But we've had some time to decipher. But Russell Westbrook is a Los Angeles Laker via trade i believe it was for kcp kuzma and a bunch of draft picks but in the end the lakers now having russell westbrook trevor reza carmelo anthony wayne ellington bring back dwight howard again i guess um and other key role players that they are now signing but this team looks very old on paper but this team's not gonna come out and fold and get injured left and right i think like some people realize yeah i think too like i mean (laughs) Especially not even a lot of them have been, like, very drastically injured. Of course, like, LeBron's been kind of out more for load management. He's taking more games off a little bit. AD's kind of getting up there well, he, where he might not be able to do as much on the court. He was injured uh, for a while. Uh, you have Russell Westbrook, who is still crazy athletic. I don't think he's going to really have too much with the injury uh, situations. I mean, he tossing how they have, I think, what is it, seven or eight guys over 30, right? Their starting five is definitely going to be over 30. Mm-hmm. And that's 
one, you have the veteran mindset, obviously, and you have the guys who have been there for a while. But the one thing is, is how well are they going to gel together, all being the guys who know the situations, who have been there before? Um, what are you going to do when both LeBron and Russell Westbrook are one pass or one assist away from a triple-double and they're just passing back and forth and not really shooting the ball? Like, there's, I, there, I saw a v- funny video about that, which kind of made me laugh. But, I mean, it's going to be... Who's going to kind of take over as leader of the team? It's obviously LeBron, but how are those guys like Russell Westbrook going to kind of handle kind of taking that backseat position behind some other guys, not kind of take the point guard if LeBron decides to go at the one? What's going to kind of be that gelling and what's going to be the teammate situation when uh, it kind of comes down to who's going to be taking the last shot? Because you know all those guys are ready to take it, which might be a good thing, but also a bad thing because who's going to be who's going to be the number one guy to go to and who's going to kind of take a backseat role in this in this situation when you have such superstars on the team? And how well is this team actually going to gel together uh, with a with a kind of a companionship and, and teammate sense? Yeah, and I think one thing that um, I think one thing that will come from that is we're going to see interesting defensive schemes against this team because we've seen guys like Russell Westbrook that have went to other situations, but that he's always been kind of the front runner coming in. And I think it's fair to say that Russell Westbrook's not the front runner on this team. The fact that he's coming home to LA, I think it's awesome. Like just the fact that he's been kind of bouncing up and down. I mean, the end years of the thunder and then obviously the the situation in Houston. And then you obviously Washington Mm -hmm. kind of not been rolling as it's been expected, which he was kind of the number one guy going in the situation. Houston, you might be able to make an argument with James Harden. He's number two, but um, the fact is, him coming in with LeBron and AD, I think the thing that's different about this situation is he's the best guard coming in, and he's really the only guard coming in. What I mean by that is, they've had him alone in the Thunder during his MVP season. Like, he was by himself for pretty much the whole year. I mean, he obviously had a couple other companionship pieces, but he was the guy mm-hmm. in that time. He was making it all happen himself. Then when he went to Houston... He's sharing the backcourt with Chris Paul. And not saying like Chris Paul is a bad player or anything, but he, Chris Paul likes to have the ball a lot of the time to facilitate things. We've, we've seen what he can do with Phoenix, right? So yeah, that wasn't going to really work out. And then he goes to Washington with a little bit of a control with Bradley Beal, but then again, then that splitting touches away. With the Lakers, he's really the guy that's taking care of the ball a lot of the time. I mean, and they brought Wayne Ellington in for the specific reason of off-ball shooting, and he is not volume-dependent. And that's something that I think really was a great move for them. Obviously, I would have loved for him to stay in Detroit again, but I think I'm going there, obviously, was the move of he's a great shooter off-ball and really doesn't, is not volume-dependent. That can really help with Russell Westbrook sharing the ball. Obviously, he's going to have to figure it out with LeBron and AD, but... I think this is going to make an interesting situation with Russell Westbrook to see how he responds shooting the basketball. Because we know this man is one of the most athletic players to ever step on an NBA basketball court. 100%. The dude's an absolute mm-hmm. freak. And he's one of the best slashers the league's ever seen. But shooting-wise is where he's always had that question mark. And we've never really seen the opportunity for him to explode from beyond the arc or from mid-range. He's never been that guy. His head down to the basket, and I'm slamming it on someone's head. That's been his mentality. And he's been able to get away with that on some other teams where now with other volume-dependent teams that he's been on, he's kind of had to be like, oh, I kind of got to either 
shoot it out or I got to get rid of it. And that's something that he's not as efficient as. Obviously, we know he's a great passer, but the fact is with this Lakers team, with these stars like LeBron and AD that are going to have the ball, he's going to have to have opportunities to knock down three-point shots for this team to succeed because that is going to be huge for him is being able to shoot the rock off the ball and still, I mean, he's still going to have, we like, we're not questioning the slashing ability whatsoever. He's going to get to the basket, pick and roll with Anthony Davis. That sounds incredible, and I can't wait to see that. But off ball is going to be the question mark with him that I think is going to determine the impact of this. Because if he can't shoot the rock, like, they're going to be relying on Wayne Ellington to knock down three-point shots for 82 games. That doesn't sound like a recipe for success to me, and that's going to have to change for them to be yeah. t- legit title contenders for me from day one. Yeah, I think once they are able to kind of find that groove beyond the three-point line and be able to kind of mix in, because all of them have the ability to score down low and be able to drive to the basket. I mean, LeBron is one of the best to ever do it. AD is a menace. Uh, like you said, Russell will just put his head down and go yamming on someone, and then you toss in other guys too. But when you kind of look at the efficiency from beyond the three, LeBron makes a three-pointer, and then he steps up from 60 feet, basically, and airballs one, uh, basically the following position or following possession. And then once you get Russell going, I mean, uh, once you get Russell going, if Anthony Davis maybe can sprinkle a little bit in there, if he has the opportunity to shoot a three, uh, I think it's going to be a recipe for success. But once they figure that out, then uh, then they're going to have some going to have some good times. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they still have they still have lots of opportunity to, to groom some younger players. I mean, THT is still there, and um, obviously mm-hmm. signing Mr. Mac McClung. To a summer league contract, so hey, could be could be something there. But um, kind of, I was um speaking of, I guess you could say drafted or undrafted players into the NBA draft. I mean, Mac McClung just mentioned not drafted, even though he declared from Texas Tech and ends up signing a deal with the Lakers for their summer league squad and ho- seeing if he can make that team. But um, some interesting moves being made in the NBA draft, and I know um with, as Pistons fans. It's motorcade season now, baby. It's all in with Cade yeah. Cunningham being the number one pick. I mean, slam dunk for me. I I mean, I don't see like there's there's no I the the narrative was there and there's no way we could break the narrative that Cade Cunningham is not the best player in the draft. He mm-hmm. is an absolute freak and deserves to be drafted number one. I mean, there are some things where um, I know personally, I've seen some slight consistency things win in the tournament, but I know those things can get fixed with Detroit. And I know his mindset was always to get to the pros during this this whole last part of the season because he knew he was going to be number one. He just knew it. Like he was only taking one trip and he's going to Detroit and saying, you know, here I am, number one pick. You pick me, and that's my mindset. And they proved it. So I'm I'm super happy for for Cade and I mean just being part of this team. The fan base is stoked, and I mean. Our other two draft picks, a little bit more interesting. I guess Troy Weaver's been doing a lot of studying on the Big Ten Conference. And Joe, our man Isaiah Livers is going to Motown. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's a good spot. He was obviously one of the main guys uh, for uh, Michigan. Um, and he's been able to kind of come in big for a lot of situations. And he was kind of one of the leaders on the team. So, and then staying in Michigan, I mean, he's from Michigan too. So I think the hometown, it's kind of a big thing, especially, I mean, every kid dreams of playing for their hometown team in the pros. 
being able to kind of put themselves in that situation. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he's definitely going to be at a point where there's a lot to prove being a Michigan man, like being a Michigan man, and especially growing up in Michigan and kind of having to prove yourself and, and all that. But also, you're going to have that competition now between, because he's a great player. He's not as good as Cade, but there's going to be some competition between the two, some healthy competition of who's going to be the better one. And I think that's going to be really solid for Livers, but also for Cade to kind of, be able to prove himself because he's number one already. He doesn't need to prove how good he is. But when he gets paired with those guys who are the same age, who he still needs to kind of make that roster spot and show that hey, I'm, I'm still a, I'm, I have the mindset of being a great player in even though I haven't really played a game yet. So I think now bring those two guys in competition between the two of them. Then when it comes game time, being able to have that relationship between the two that they already have, I think that's going to be a great setup uh, for for the Pistons. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I love this move because um, Livers, like the injury issues are a reason he's not in a first round pick straight up. That's what I believe with a full season last year and playing in the tournament. He he would have showed that he was a a first round draft choice. Um, I mean, with Franz, too. Don't forget Franz. Good job, Franz. Um, Going back to Orlando also to be with his brother. What? I think that was definitely by design, but congrats to them. Um, But I think the big thing with Livers is that I see is his game translates to the NBA very smoothly. He's a guy that is a very athletic, flexible wing guard that can shoot the lights out and get it done on the defensive end with playmaking, with blocks and steals. He's a Mm -hmm. guy that could fit into that scheme very well. So I like the move there. As long as we can keep him on the floor, he could be a very valuable asset. But early on in the Second or later on, I should say, in the second round with number 52, courtesy of the Lakers, by the way. Thanks, LA, for letting us select the best player in college basketball last year, the National Player of the Year winner, Wooden Award winner. Luca Garza is now a Detroit Piston. Oh, and I know, I saw that. I forgot that I saw that. Not gonna lie, had some interesting thoughts after that, and it's not against Luca Garza. It was just solely the fact that we have an Iowa player playing for Detroit. Not something I was going to expect coming into this draft, because, I mean, obviously um, we would have had Wee's camp on the radar for round two, which I would have been okay with. But, I mean, Luca Garza, fantastic player. And to me, if he can learn from Isaiah Stewart, and if we can get him some tutelage from guys like Ben Wallace, we can turn his defense around. This could be a slam dunk steal of a pick because this guy can fill it on one side. If he can figure out the other side, which is the only question mark, and if I mean we could get him a little bit more athletic too, but if we can get those together, he might be looking at a full-time uh, second-string job challenging Isaiah Stewart even for starting lineup job because that because he can score it. If he can play defense, he's going to be a fantastic player. Yeah, definitely. When I saw... I think it was like the Pistons TikTok or something I saw it and it was like meet our draft class and I saw all those guys I was like do we have the best draft of the league right now because <laughs> like when I saw that I was like Cade Cunningham Luca Garza who was the guy who basically led Iowa to their performance uh basically throughout the whole year into the um and in the tournament and then you toss in Isaiah Livers in there who is an amazing player and then uh the other guys that they got in later rounds it's it's got a lot of potential, a lot of scary potential, and it's only what can we do with that potential? Because if we can't do anything, and if this if we don't uh, really 
I guess, nurt, I don't want to say nurture, but if we can't, I, I don't know, train Luka into a, a defensive powerhouse along with his F, uh, offensive prowess, and then you have Kate Cunningham, who can be a guy who is going to be one of your leaders at the one or the two, and then Isaiah Livers toss him in there, or whoever needs to come off the bench, too. It's just, can we do what do what we need to do with the pieces and not waste this opportunity with the amazing young talent that we already have, and then add these draft or these draftees in there, too? I think we have a really good chance of kind of turning it around in the next couple of years. But like you said, Brandon, if we can get Luca Garza with Ben Wallace and kind of get him a situation where he picks up his defense and we kind of make these players even better than what they are out of coming out of college, they've got a great chance. But like I said, only what we can do, only what we can do with the training is how, is how far we can get with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. This team's going to be exciting. I mean, we just brought back Saban Lee as well as bringing back, um, excuse me, Corey Joseph. Like, this team's ready to rock and roll again, and I know Pistons fans are excited because this team could could shock some people. I, I'm not expecting playoff bound this year, but uh, I would certainly love to be surprised if they do so. But um, super excited that we got some Big Ten, some Big Ten blood now in Motown just because it's going to make it much more exciting. I know me and my dad are super excited to keep watching these guys at the next level, especially for the team that we're rooting for. But um, kind of going into the draft a little bit further, some winners and some losers. I, I'll start with a winner, Joe. Um, I think the Utah Jazz were a winner to me, and they had one pick in this draft, and it was in the second round. And call me biased, but whatever. Um, I know that I was the one that picked Baylor to win the national championship last year, and they certainly did so. But the Jazz had one pick in this draft, and they absolutely nailed it. They selected Jared Butler from Baylor. And, okay, I get it. The red flag with the injury. I get it. But if this dude's healthy, he's the best defensive player in college basketball last year. I arguably with Davion Mitchell, his teammate. But he was one of the best defensive players in the college basketball circuit last year. And he could still fill it. Like, this dude would be easily a first-round draft pick without those medical red flags. And, I mean, getting this guy with potential first-round talent, with the defensive ability, playmaking ability to score the basketball inside and outside, because he shot over 40% out from three last year. Yeah. Jared Butler is a fantastic tool player that can be an influential player immediately, second string easily immediately, if not first string. For a Utah Jazz team that needs depth, and defensive prowess in that division, slam dunk for me. Jared Butler was an absolute great pick, especially at pick number forty for me. Yeah, that's a that's a steal pick for them. That's one thing where they were they're on the cusp of, like I said, like or for a lot of these teams, they're on the cusp of being contenders for the championship title and being uh, contenders for the uh, for the playoffs. But they're just missing those, you know, maybe those young guys who can bring a little bit more energy into the game, who have the have the mindset of being a fighter. And then bringing in their young, uh, you know, their young athleticism is going to be a really good situation for them. But I'm just interested to see what these guys, what it just is going to come down to. How are they going to train these guys and get them ready for the NBA? Because college basketball can train you as much as they need to, but the NBA it's the best of the best. And for you to come in, it's going to be a lot different, and you're going to have that welcome to the NBA moment. But it's going to be who's going to be prepared for that uh, culture shock when they get to their first NBA game and when they're playing these superstars. And especially being in the Western Conference, you're filled with that. You have teams all over the place that have guys who you've been looking up for your whole life. Are you going to be ready for that welcome to the NBA moment, or are you going to fizzle out when the lights come on to you? 
Yeah, I think that's super important because we've seen a lot of guys that have been high draft picks that really just haven't haven't fizzled out and they just have not been the same player in col or in the NBA as excuse me as in college. And I think that's super important. Um, yeah, what's your winner as far as this year's draft, Joe? I think with the Pistons, um, it's but like I'm, obviously it's the Pistons for me because you have Luka Garza, you have Livers, you have Cunningham who can really be great players you just need to kind of nurture them into into great players but I think for a lot of rookies too it's they go from the best player on their team to maybe a six man or something or more of a role player instead of being that hot shot superstar right at the bat I mean not everyone can be like Kobe LeBron even Kobe and LeBron they started out a little bit slower and then they built up that spot it's all about how how are you going to answer to these these players that have been playing for years that you've been looking up to, that welcome to the NBA moment is so important of how you respond to it. Either you can fizzle out because of it, or you can really take that, you can learn from it, and you can build as a better player and to kind of show that, hey, I'm ready for this. I, I know it's going to be a long road, but I'm ready to get better. And especially for players that are coming to the NBA that are from the Western Conference, you have teams like, you know, the Suns who are doing extremely well, Nuggets, Jazz, uh the Lakers, the Clippers, that you're going to be seeing multiple times a year, and you're going to be playing against your idols like LeBron, Kawhi, uh, you know, those guys who have been in the league for a long time who really don't care if you get your next contract. They're there to do one thing, and that's win a game. And if you can respond to those guys playing their hearts out and being able to kind of be and if be way better than you and you respond to that in a negative way or a positive way is going to be the difference between you getting a roster spot next year or fizzling out and being the guy who's you know, the former NBA player who's just selling insurance basically for the rest of his life, you know, and I think that's going to be a big deal for a lot of these rookies coming in is the league is, I think, more stacked now as it has been in a couple of years on both sides, East and West Conference, because Brooklyn is going to be insane. Um, Bucks are going to be coming out swinging again. Heat's going to be coming out. And then you have all those other teams who kind of made the playoffs to are kind of on the, on the cusp being great. I mean, Hornets too. You're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, competitiveness out of them so these rookies coming in they just need to really adapt well have a have a mindset of proving themselves but not trying to do too much while they have that opportunity you know yeah I think that 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 was also um a really interesting point just because the fact like we've had we've had that before and will it continue is going to be it's going to be super interesting to see because um we've had I mean it's kind of really just repeat the record like we've seen it before we've seen all these high picks and where are they now you can just throw out the name anthony bennett and you know immediately what we're talking about just that sort of stuff so yeah obviously super important to get the guys you want but um one other team i was i'd also throw out is the nets the nets on paper right now um obviously taking like um marcus zagorowski in the later rounds and um, I believe they also got Cameron Thomas. Like they're on track to score 160 points. The question is, are they going to give up 170? Is really the question. So, but um, yeah. one of the losers that I have in this draft, um, gotta be Philly. I was not too so high on what Philly did. I think the Bassey pick was their best pick, and that was their 53rd pick, uh, or the 53rd pick, I should say, their third pick in this draft. I think that was a good yeah. one. He's more of an old style. Um, throwback guy but now they just got Drummond so it kind of doesn't make as much sense now because now you got Embiid Drummond and I mean obviously they're with that uh, with Charles Bassey and them signing one-year deal for Andre Drummond like really I feel like Drummond's gonna be a one-year and out guy now it's kind of a, a weird situation after you do that and um 
there some of the, the their other picks weren't as high to me. Um, I'm just refreshing them off the top of my head. Jaden Springer from Tennessee was um, an interesting pick. I think he's a good player. I think he's good, but I think there was just too many guys around him that I would have liked personally better. I mean, they could have taken a shot and went with Jason Preston, like who was picked. I think about six picks later. That would have been a great guy as far as a facilitating role. Um, and especially now that you got Ben Simmons likely on his way out. Um, and then you got other guys after him, like Ayo Desumu, who was a steal going back to Chicago. And then um, personally, Jared Butler, who I would have loved there as well. But um, I mean, Jaden Springer's a good player. I think the value was a little bit different up there. And then I believe it was um, they took a, a power forward from Lithuania, or no, it was from Serbia, um, Filip Petrosev. Good player. Not very... I don't know if the value's there. I think he would have been a guy that you snatch, snatch undrafted. I don't think you draft a guy like that. I think that on the flip side, it would have probably been better if you would have taken um, Bassie at 50 and then you snatch a playmaker yeah. up at the later end of the draft. Like you take a swing at a guy like Scotty Lewis or um, Aaron Wiggins from Maryland as well. I think either of those guys would have been good swings, but um, I think that was just kind of a weird pick there. I just, good players. Don't like the overall fit of how that's scheming in. And I'm assuming that these guys are just depth players. I don't know if any of these guys on outside of the Tennessee man, I don't really see any of those guys getting up into elite playing time this year. So they're either development projects or they're just strictly there for depth. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what a lot of these uh, teams do, especially the ones who didn't have the greatest uh, draft this year. If they're going to kind of focus on the guys that they already have or try to implement the guys who they just drafted. Regardless, some teams had a better draft than others, but I don't. With the NBA, it's kind of tough to see because you could have a, 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 a bust caliber draft, but have a guy who's going to be on your team for the next couple of years to come who's going to be able to kind of elevate your team to the next level. So I'm always excited to see after the draft what teams are able to do, who's going to be kind of the diamond in the rough. But uh, we'll see. Sixers, I don't know if they're going to be doing too much. Detroit, we'll see what they can do with this great opportunity. And these teams who made big moves in free agency, I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do uh, when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kind of moving in now to our last segment of Topic of First, don't forget to check out Podstock, uh, Bulldog Radio's music podcast uh, with Ryan and Jackson Company. Make sure you guys check them out on whatever platform you are on, Spotify, Anchor, or Apple, especially this upcoming semester when we all return. I know everybody's excited to get their podcast back here at BDR, and we're excited too. And we really hope you guys tune in and enjoy that show. Um, Into our last, I guess you could say, um, major topic here before our Call Your Shot debate, we got some MLB trade deadline to discuss. Boy, it was wild. Let me tell you what. Um, First of all, I would like to sincerely... Put out my re- my regards to all of you out there that, that I know have went through some absolute travesty of emotions the last couple of, or I should say the last week. It's not fun. And I'm sorry to this group of people. And that group of people are Chicago Cubs fans. I am so sorry of what you just went through. Hate to see it. It is one of the worst feelings ever to have your team just get dissembled in front of your eyes at the trade deadline. And that's exactly what happened to the Cubs. Jack Peterson, gone. Anthony Rizzo, gone. Chris Bryant, gone. I could keep on going. I will. Craig Kimbrough, gone. gone. Javi Baez, 
gone. See you later. The Cubs are starting what over are they from doing? scratch. I don't know, man. I know. This team is you not know, the same anymore. I feel bad for Adam Ross, honestly. That's all the guys who, like, he basically, like, he, they all came up when he was a veteran in the team. And to see him kind of take a management position in the Cubs organization, and then for them to just trade away all those guys. The best thing is, both all of Rizzo, Bryant, and Javi Baez all hit home runs on their games that they just got traded out. And I mean, it's annoying to see because you'd think that, excuse me, sorry to cough right into my mic, but you'd think that there'd be some type of loyalty for those players that have been there for the 2016 World Series that stuck through those years of being a garbage team, and you'd think that they'd work. There's no salary cap in baseball. You can pay those guys what they want. You don't have to worry about the salary cap. I just don't know why they trade away those guys who are still in their prime. Rizzo was not past his prime. I think he's still one of the best first basemen in the league easily. Chris Bryant is not past his prime. Javi Baez is definitely not past his prime. But for you to trade away all these guys and be like, we're just going to start over fresh, get the salary cap, or get our salary, like, basically, we can have so much money now. Why wouldn't you? You're not going to – it's going to be hard to find another Chris Bryant that's going to be able to hit bombs and be a lockdown defenseman at third base. It's going to be hard to find another Javi Baez who's going to be as smooth as he is at shortstop and be able to get on base and be able to play as well as he does. I don't understand what the point is for them to be able to do this or why they would even think about doing this is trade away all their players. But regardless, I just – I don't know. Not a great situation uh, in my opinion, especially seeing how a lot of those guys were there since day one the bad times of the Chicago Cubs, and then basically with the reasons that you won in 2016. But I don't know. I guess uh, I guess a lot of organizations just don't value loyalty as much as they do, do or as they should. Yeah, I mean, it's it was just crazy to see all these guys go at one time, and really it was just kind of a sad moment. And um, uh, one of our one of the friends of our show, um, Hunter Morrison, who was a huge Cubs fan, um, I had I had I. Had, I I reached out to him after this all happened. He's like, man, it's happening again. And, of course, he's referring to the rebuild that was really one of the longer ones coming before they won the World Series back in 16. So it's just been tough. And, I mean, this whole thing just kind of seems like a rebrand, refresh thing because after that team, they've always been good, just not quite good enough. They can never get over the hump even though they brought in a lot of new guys. Like Jock Peterson was the guy they brought in to try to get over the hump. And, I mean, they ended up getting rid of him in May. And just kind of seeing everything come out and restructuring, it's it's just been really tough. And, I mean, you kind of look at, like, where they were as far as salary cap situation. They weren't in trouble, like, as far as being, like, in risk of having to high pay a lot of these guys. They were middle of the road. They were just above league average, I believe 14th as far as, um, the salary cap um, is concerned. Um, and I think that, like, just a shade of a league average, really, when you look at it that way. They're just about league average. They weren't, like, mm-hmm. totally in a money cap scenario where they're, like, having to pay a lot of these guys. And, and it's just kind of interesting to see now that we have some teams that are kind of shelling out early than normal, even though there isn't that salary cap that you just mentioned, Joe. Like, the just yeah. the, the whole money scenario of how their payroll is, it's just kind of you have to figure out how to get these guys there and how to keep the money flowing in. And I guess for Chicago, they just didn't feel like it was happening, which is crazy because I feel like they're one of the more popular fan bases outside of some of the major teams, obviously like Yankees, Dodgers, and obviously hometown teams. But this team's very going to look a lot different. 
And it's just going to be, I mean, with Theo gone, it just seems like now the whole situation is starting over from scratch. And it's just going to, it's just going to be interesting. But um, some other big moves that were made um, at the deadline um, that were very notable. One of them was the, speaking of the Dodgers, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner now going to be wearing Dodgers uniforms. Absolutely crazy. But I mean, this was just yeah, pretty, this was pretty no insane. salary cap, eh? Oh my gosh, they will not stop spending money. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, they inquired Scherzer and Trey Turner for a bunch of younger prospects. Is this mean Dodgers run it back easily? Probably. There's their their starting rotation is probably on par with that uh, that Tigers rotation from a couple years ago. You got what Kershaw, Bauer, Scherzer. Who are their other two pitchers? Bueller. Um, and then they have one other guy who I can't Price? Uh, remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Pri- Price. Is Price Price on the Dodgers now? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. He just hasn't. He, well, he like, was injured last year. Oh yeah, but that that is on par with that Detroit Tigers rotation of arguably being the best rotation of all time. And I think with that, they it's going to be really tough to beat. You might sneak one game away against maybe like Bueller or Bauer. But you're not going to take a game away when you have both Scherzer, uh, Price, and uh, uh, Kershaw all back-to-back-to-back starting on the bump. You're not going to be able to steal a couple games uh, to win series from that. So that's one thing that I'm I'm excited to see how well they're going to be able to do, especially with uh, how many pieces they're adding. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, for sure. So the full rundown. Chris Bryan is now with San Francisco, which is a huge move for them, by the way, because just how well they're doing. Um, Javi Baez goes to the Mets, I believe, as well as Rich Hill is now with the Mets. Jose Barrios goes to the Blue Jays for a, a hefty prospect haul with Austin Martin. Very interesting that they gave that up. But um, Craig Kimbrough now goes to the White Sox. Obviously, Scherzer and Trey Turner, we just mentioned. Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, all to the Phillies. Um, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison to the A's. Um, Andrew Heaney for, to the Yankees and Cash. Of course, Yankees need more money. Why not? Uh, Jorge Soler to the Braves, Jock Peterson to the Braves, Cardinals get John Lester, former Cub as well, J.A. Happ to the Cardinals, um, Richard Rodriguez to the Braves, um, and Adam Duvall, the leading hit leader, um, goes to the, or, no, not sorry, Adam Duvall, Adam Frazier. Ugh. Adam Frazier also did get dealt, by the way, um, from the Pirates to the Padres. Um, we wanted to mention Padres get Jake Marisnik from the Cubs as well. More when it comes to him, some more I look on this list. Eddie Rosario to the Braves. Um, Galvis to the Phillies. Giants get what, Tony Watson. Uh, Brewers get John Curtis. A- Astros get Phil Manton. Um, some other notable names here. Daniel Norris was the only deal that the Tigers made. He's now with the Brewers. Sorry to see him go. Him in the in the shaggy van. He's now going to depart from Detroit, sadly. Um, Daniel to Hudson it. to the Padres. Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox. Another Cubs name. Um, Rizzo to the Yankees, uh, Danny Duffy to the Dodgers. Another one to add to that rotation you were just talking about, Joe. Um, and then also Joey Gallo to the Yankees. Um, Blue Jays get Brad Hand. Rockies get Ashton Grudeau. Um, and I believe that is all the notable ones. Oh, A's get Starling Marte. That one had happened a lot earlier. I had to mention that one as well. But crazy stuff going down in yeah. Major League Baseball for sure. And obviously... We'll have more time to talk about the Tigers and their rebuild as well. But also, one thing to quickly mention, 
The Cleveland Guardians? What? <laughs> that was funny. You had a lot of names that you could have chose. Yeah. To rebrand, and you chose like Guardians. How are you gonna? What's your mascot gonna be? Good question. Like, what, I, like, no what are you like? You're just gonna wear a G instead of a C on your hat? Like, it, I guess I don't understand. Like, I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't I personally wasn't a fan of them changing. I like the name Indians, but I can see why people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It was kind of like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Cause like you could have chose a lot of other things that are, have to do with Cleveland. Like yeah. a mascot of some sort, but you chose, I heard like, the Cleveland spiders. You chose the guardians. The spiders would have been cool. That would be kind of cool. Spiders yeah. would have been cool. Yeah. You that would have been a cool, cool hat. Like, but choosing they can't, like I just don't understand. Like Guardian sounds like an XFL team, you know, or like yeah. a. It sounds like a like a roller derby a... team. Yeah. <laughs> they might get the bag from this. I'm not even gonna lie. They might get the bag. They might. But, like, they have to. Like a, it sounds like a minor league baseball team, you know. Like, yeah. That like just ran out of names. Like they're the Guardians, or it sounds like a like a like a G League team or something like that. You know, it's, it's just not, weird. It's not a great name. Honestly, I'm not a fan. No. I do want to buy, I probably, that's one thing though, you probably want to buy uh, the, because I think the old Indians merch might go up in value over that's the next true. couple of years. That is true. It probably so will. You might want to invest and buy buy some buy some hats and jerseys before they go out of, st- or go out of uh, rotation, I guess. Yeah, I guess I just need to find out more information on where this name came from, because to me it's weird. And not I don't. Best, I'm not a big not fan of name. it. So not but the best choice. But. I, I guess we just kind of more know more about it. But um, before we get into our last debate, don't forget to check out the Fire Pit on whatever podcast platform you're on. If you want all the news with the Fair State Torch newspaper and more, go check them out. There's sports news, debate, all sorts of topics for your choosing. All great podcasters on that platform. Hey, you might get a peek of me and Joe on there. You never know, my friends. So. Go over and check that out on whatever podcast platform you are on for more. As we move into our last subject, we talked about the Olympics earlier, and I thought of this crazy question of, we have all these crazy sports, Joe, that you were just mentioning that are cool. What's one that's missing that we haven't had in the Olympics? Or I should say don't have right now in the Olympics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this one right off the bat, Joe, and I'm going to blow your mind. Why is car racing not in the Olympics? Whether That's it's Formula question, One, honestly. like, why was there I not some sort of car racing? Wouldn't it? Formula One would be sick to have in the Olympics. So we have, yeah, we great. have but Formula then, yeah. One, we have NASCAR, yeah. we have all these different types of car racing. Why is there not in the Olympics? Is it a regulation thing? Because we figured out how to do that in Formula One. We figured out how to do that in NASCAR. How can we not figure that out in the Olympics? NASCAR should be in there. I'm t- I feel like Brendan Sanders is ringing in my head right now. Yeah. And he'd be on my be, case uh, as well because it yeah. deserves to be I in the I would Olympics. love to see it. I would love to see it, but it might be because, like, uh, like the car sponsors and, like, who's driving, you know? Like, it'll be, like, who's going to – what car will sponsor which? And, like, the – but, I mean, you could probably figure a way around that. But I would love to see that. I like watching F1. And I sometimes I'll, I'll get into NASCAR a little bit. I like to see that. But I think mine are got to be horse racing. Because if we got show horses or whatever, I think horse racing is way more entertaining. 
Because you'd have just insanely fast Like legitimate around track yeah. horse race. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. have cross-country, like, like equestrian racing. Type but stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could agree Kentucky with that. Derby type stuff, sick. And then mm-hmm. uh, strongman competition. Oh, Because we have powerlifting. Strongman is, I think, is a way cooler one. Because you'll have guys who, you know, are on the strongman circuit. Yeah, that are all over the place. Cool. Yeah, you'd have a lot more mainstream, get a lot more fans. But those are my two. Yeah, those are those are all good ones. Make sure you follow us and comment which sport should be in Olympics because I would I would love to see the response from the people because I think there's a lot more that you could add for sure. But I don't know. That would it'd be interesting. But thank you guys for watching. That was probably the shortest debate we've ever had. But I mean schedules are schedules. But if you want more debate from us, you have no other choice but to follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. If you're watching this on YouTube, Thank you all, and we appreciate you. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel as well as subscribe to Bulldog Radio for more because we got some epic stuff coming up this fall, Joe. I know we've been talking a lot about the plans for the show, and it's skyrocketing through the roof. And especially now with some things that have changed as far as over the last year, there's some, there's some, the ceiling is the roof, and the roof has been blown off. So just saying, that's, that's going to be a pretty exciting thing to check out this fall is from our show. Yeah, definitely. Super exciting to get back to school in the next couple of weeks. And also, it's going to be awesome just to kind of get back in the groove of school, being able to kind of see everybody back and kind of maybe have a little bit of normalcy back on campus. Absolutely, for sure. But until next time, guys. Take care, everybody.